I'd like to start with something funny. Is this okay today? You doing okay? So I heard this funny story about an auto mechanic, and he was fixing this man's car, and this world-famous cardiology, uh, cardiologist, heart surgeon, walked in to his garage. And uh, the auto mechanic says, you know, I was thinking about it. He said, Doc, it was nice to meet you, but I was thinking about it. I kind of do the same thing you do. He said, is that so? He said, yeah. He said, you know, I change parts. I change valves. You know, I, I get the car going and all that stuff again, tune it up and, and you know, clear it out, whatever I got to do. And he said, yeah, he said, I understand what you're saying. Uh, he, the doctor said to him, he said, yeah, you're, you're, you're right. He said, yeah, he said, I just got one problem, though. He said, you, doctor, make about five times as much as I do. <laughs> and the surgeon looked at him. He said, well, try doing it next time when the engine is running. <laughs> all right. Dress for success. Everybody say, dress for success. Dress for success. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 6, finally in verse 10. My brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles, that word means schemes or strategies, of the devil. Verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, everybody say, therefore. therefore. It's therefore a reason. He says, take up or put on, depending on your translation, the whole armor of God. Why does it say take up? Why does it say put on? Because you don't just wake up with it on. How many know you actually have to put it on? Okay, let's pray. God, thank you, Lord, for who you are and for what you're doing in this house and in our lives. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you'll speak to our hearts and that you'll change our lives. May we never be the same, Lord. May we realize, God, that there are battles that wage each and every day of our life, God. Help us to focus, God, more on you and the spiritual than the natural. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. 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 World-famous chess champion. How many, any chess players here? Anybody like to play chess? There you are. A couple of us here. Okay. Uh, World-famous. I can't think of his name. It was a, a Russian. If I say his name, you'll think I'm trying to speak in tongues, and I want to do that right now. But uh, world-famous world chess player, uh, Brother Scott and Ashley, and uh, he, uh, him and his wife want to go on vacation one year. They had planned this for uh, quite a while to uh, the top 10 museums in all of uh, Europe. And so they were in the Louvre, and they saw there's a very famous painting called Checkmate. Have you heard of it? Checkmate. Checkmate is actually a painting of the devil uh, and an opponent, his opponent, a young man, uh, sitting there on opposite sides of the chessboard. And the devil sitting back, rocking, laughing hysterically and sarcastically at this young man. And this young man is crying tears, He's got sweat, heart palpitations. He's biting his nails, and the devil's just laughing at him. And this is a true story. The, the uh, chess world-class, world champion chess uh, champion stopped, and he was, he was just enamored by this painting. He was mesmerized by it, stupefied by it. And he stood there, maybe you've heard this, and he looked at it, observed it for a long time to the point that his wife said, well, I want to go. He said, go ahead. He said, I'm going to stay here. And he kept studying it. Because the painting was trying to say that the devil had a checkmate on this young guy's life. And he said, when I actually studied the 
chessboard and the pieces strategically has how they were in position against each other, actually the painting was wrong. And he said, actually, this man, the opponent of the devil, still had one more move. He had the final move. And I want to say to somebody today, God has the final move in your life. If you believe that, why don't you clap your hands today and give God some crazy praise. God has the final say. There are people that are stupefied by, the, they think that the enemy is somehow in control of everything. They think the devil, who is called the prince in the powers of the air, is somehow out there just doing everything in control of the world. But I want to tell you, God's move is greater. Amen. In fact, we're praying and believing for a great move of the Holy Spirit here. Can you say amen? Amen. Praise God. In fact, through the Bible, historically, it's kind of like a chess game. And I want to read something to you. This really blessed me this week. Praise God. God made the first move in the Scripture. Think about this. When he created the angels. Lucifer reacted negatively to God's move, and he made a counter move. He rebelled against God and took one-third of the angels from heaven with him when God flung them out. How many know that's in Ezekiel, by the way? He was a worship leader, and he tried to exalt himself against God. That's a big mistake. How many know pride comes before a fall? Need I say more? God countered that move by creating Adam and Eve, and then who was a little lower than the angels, and then Satan countered that move in the garden by getting Adam and Eve to turn the earth over to Lucifer's control. Are you still with me this morning? But God countered that move by providing a redemptive covering for Adam and Eve so they could turn back to fellowship with God. Of course, Satan countered that move by getting Cain to kill his brother Abel and to cut off the godly line. Well, that's when God countered that move with the birth of Seth and with the, with the creation of birth of Seth. The people of God, the Bible said in Genesis, turned their life back to seeking and worshiping God like we we're doing in this place this morning. But that's when Satan, of course, countered that move through the birth of Nimrod, who built the civilizations of Babylon and Assyria. And they gathered at the Tower of Babel to make a religion of their own man-made ways in defiance of God. Well, that's where, of course, he, got, he countered that move by going to the heir of the Chaldees and he searched out a man by the name of Abraham, the father of the faith. And God created his own nation and he said, they will obey me. Of course, that's when Satan countered that move by getting them trapped in Egyptian slavery and bondage where Pharaoh would not let them go. Of course, God countered that move. Because how many know he went to the backside of the Midian desert and raised up a man called Moses who was a great deliverer. And he said, go to Pharaoh and you tell Pharaoh, let my people go. How many know sometimes when a preacher's preaching too long, I want to stand up and yell, God said, let my people go. (laughs) It's just, you can't overdo it, man. You know, (laughs) anyway. And then we have what's called 400 years of biblical silence. 400 straight years where God doesn't speak, it's like the opponents, the people of God, and the devil himself are just staring at the chessboard and no one is making a move. And yet in the New Testament, when it comes out, we see so-and-so begat so-and-so in Matthew's gospel. So-and-so begat so-and-so. So you get about Matthew 1-7 and it says, but then Joseph took Mary to be his espoused wife. And she brought forth her firstborn son. 
and wrapped them in swaddling cloths. Come on, how many know we read this at Christmas time? And his name was Jesus. How many know God said, it's as if God said, look, I am so sick and tired of these people that can't get it straight. I'm going to come down there and represent myself. Can you say amen? Aren't you thankful for Jesus, somebody? I said, aren't you thankful for Jesus? I am. I'm eternally grateful that God sent his only son. But then Satan countered that move by trying to nail Jesus to the cross. And great darkness, the Bible said, overtook the earth. The rocks started to, earthquakes, and people came up out of their graves, and it seemed like that was the final move. But of course, the greatest move of all time was on the third day that God sent His Spirit to raise up Jesus. They went to come look in that empty grave, and they found out that He is no longer there, but He has risen. He had conquered death, hell, and the grave. And I want to tell you, God's final move is your final move. I said, God's final move is your final move. Come on, somebody. Oh, hallelujah. Paul said that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. That I might know him and understand the power of his bodily resurrection. And of course, Jesus, we know, after he ascended, he sent the powerful, precious Holy Spirit. That's called a move of God right there. And now we have the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? Amen. So I want to just give you a couple facts about warfare here today. I hope you'll write these down. I believe they'll help you immensely. Number one, people are not your problem. (laughs) Look at verse 12. We're going to stay right in Ephesians 6 there. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. How many understand people aren't your problem? People that you're struggling with even now. How many of you have somebody you might be struggling with? Can I see your hands? Okay, that's how you know you got the right message. People are not the problem. Watch this. They're a conduit of what the enemy has tried to do against you. Amen. It makes sense? They're a conduit. They're the fruit of the root that is actually the problem. And so people are not your problem. Because you do not wrestle against flesh and blood. The Bible says that you are wrestling against all kinds of principality, against powers, wicked, evil rulers, and the darkness of this age. Where are they? In heavenly places. Interesting. So the battles of life fundamentally and physically are not other people. They're not, in other words, flesh and blood. But they're in the demonic realm. Are you hearing what I'm saying here today? Let me give you the definition of spiritual warfare. It's the conflict. This is a definition now of spiritual warfare, what we're talking about. It's the conflict that goes on in the invisible realm that manifests itself in the visible realm. I don't know if they have it up on the screen or not, but I could quote it to you. The definition of spiritual warfare is the conflict that's taking place in an unseen world but it manifests in a seen world. Are you hearing what I'm saying here today? Amen? How many know sometimes people have gone through a breakup of a divorce? And I'm not saying that every time, but hear me, you know as well as I do. Somehow, many times, hell got let in a door somewhere. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? And so that's a demonic realm. Hell is a demonic realm. 
We've opened ourselves up to something somewhere along the way. How many understand that the devil is very deceiving? He's very cunning. The Bible said, Jesus said, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So understand these are demonic things that are taking place. So you're not fighting against your husband or against your wife. You're actually fighting against demonic powers. How many know hell does not want to see you and your husband or you and your spouse sitting here in church today in the house of God? That's why they work so hard to fight you on the car on the way here. Amen? When we had little kids, I used to say, I can't do this. They're going to wreck my anointing. So we start riding in different cars. Amen? Praise God. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So heavenly places, and then Paul uses this word heavenly places in Ephesians to describe all of the world's spiritual activity. Listen to this, Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every manner, or all manner, of spiritual blessings. So that's all the blessings there, amen? So let me say this, everything you need, here's the second point about spiritual warfare, everything you need in life is actually in the spiritual realm, not the physical realm. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? Everything you need is in the spiritual realm. We put such an emphasis on the body and all that stuff, and there's nothing wrong with that. The problem is, loved ones, we get way out of balance, and therefore we open ourselves up. God has blessed us with all manner, all spiritual blessings are in the heavenly places, amen? So everything you need, and look at Ephesians 1.20 with me, which he worked in Christ, and then when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. How many know, not only are all your blessings in heavenly places, how many know Jesus is in a heavenly place? Yes. Oh, yes. That's why when you'll worship God like we were before, and I don't know about you, especially that early service, my God, I just, I, I was like a faucet. I was like, the presence of the Lord is so strong here. How many know that's a heavenly place? There's nothing better than you. That's what we were singing. Some of us shouting at the top of our lungs. Nothing better than you. You turn mourning into dancing. Turns graves into gardens. Amen? And so think about how powerful it is to be connected to Christ and to these heavenly places. The Bible says, here's another one. I love this one. It's one of my favorite ones. That we too are seated in heavenly places. I said we too are seated in heavenly places. And raised us up together. Look at verse 6 with me. Raises us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So if you go over... Think about this. Jesus, all your blessings are... Let's, re let's review quick. All your blessings are in a heavenly place. Let me tell you, hell does not want you to hear this message. Trust me. They want you to get sleepy. They want you to look at your phone. They want you to be out in the back room doing something that might even involve ministry, but anything to keep you from hearing what's being preached this morning. Because this is probably one of the most, because it's God's word, effective messages that you need to digest today and actually apply in your life. So don't just slough it off like, oh, it's just another Sunday. I can't wait. Where are we going to go to eat? You're going to miss the whole reason that you actually exist. Everything we need is in spiritual blessings. Amen? Jesus is in heavenly places. We are seated with Christ Jesus in heavenly places. You got it so far? How about this one? Your angelic assistance is also in heavenly places. Did you know 
that you have an angel, at least one, that's assigned to your life. How many of you know that? At least one angel that's actually assigned to you, right? Chapter 3, verse 10, listen to this. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in heavenly places. Hebrews 1.14, listen to this. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Come on, somebody. I've had, I've had the blessing. I've grown up in this. I've had the blessing of being in great meetings. And we've had great men of God come through, and sometimes it's just us. And I've had children, because how many know children could just see through eyes of faith? They're not all crusted over like a bunch of us adults are sometimes. They see things. I've had teenagers come up to me at times and, and just weeping, not even talking about angels. It wasn't even mentioned for probably a year. And someone would say, my God. I said, what's going on? When you were preaching, I had a little girl one time in the old church, drew a picture of two angels literally standing like this side by side as I was preaching. You want, let me tell you something, friend. God is real and God is powerful. Can you say amen? I believe the word of God. If you don't want to believe it, go ahead. And you'll struggle all the more. Everything we need is in heavenly places, seated with Christ Jesus. Let me tell you another thing that's in, in high places. Demonic influence. Demons. And I can promise you, you have at least one devil assigned to you to mess your life up completely. And here's what they do. They actually watch your films. You know what I mean by that? When I was a kid, I played football. And here's what we used to do. After Friday night, we'd come in there on Saturday night, and they'd roll the tape. They'd roll the film of the mistakes that we made. Because you don't learn unless you can see what you're doing wrong. Amen. How many of you understand that? That probably won't go over big today because today everybody's a winner. Everybody gets a trophy, a hot dog, and an apple pie, but that doesn't actually help us to develop as individuals. Amen? And spiritually, listen, hell has assigned someone to work against you daily. At least one. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? Hebrews, uh, I'm sorry, Ephesians 6, 12, look at, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. So let's review. All blessings spiritually are in heavenly places. Jesus is in heavenly places. We are seated with him in heavenly places. Our angelic assistance is in heavenly places. Demonic Opposition comes from high places. Spiritual wickedness in high places. So it seems to me that there's lots, and in fact, everything we need is happening right here. Can you say amen? Amen. Happening in high, heavenly, again, what is a heavenly place? It's a spiritual realm. It's a dimension that we don't see with the visible eye, with the naked eye. We're unaware, and let me tell you, if you're, <laughs> if you're unaware of a spiritual realm, you can't fix the problem. You can't deal with something you can't see. Amen? And that's why, and again, the Bible, let me say it like this. The enemy of your soul would love for you to get trapped and focusing on the five senses. You know? The five senses, what are they? Smell, taste, touch, 
hear, sight, five senses, just trapped there. That's all that you operate in is the five senses. But if you can understand, loved ones, that there's actually a spiritual realm out there that God wants you plugged into daily, then you can walk in faith, you can walk in power, and you can walk in victory. Can you say amen? Amen. Praise God. So how do we do it? Amen. God bless you. How do we do it? Well, the Bible says, put on the full armor, right? Is that suit of armor here? Do we have it? Can you bring it over? Praise God. Amen. Might need some help with that. That's kind of heavy. Right in here. Yeah. Praise God. Amen. Thank you. Say, where'd you get that? Right out of our living room. That's true. My wife and I, we got married 32 years ago. We wanted a suit of armor. And uh, because I mean, she wanted a real man around the house when I was working. Amen. I'm just kidding. (laughs) We want a suit of armor. But we couldn't find one anywhere. And I'm, I'm telling you the truth. On uh, uh, seven, eight years into our marriage, we were leaving Sunday after church, honey, in the old church. And uh, we were headed home to our home in the country. And we stopped at the red light. And this little place here, Wentbrenner's Nursery, they had them standing right there for sale. And I said, I'll buy it. So we bought it. And I've used this many times. In fact, we couldn't even find it because it, uh, there was a camp that borrowed it. And... It was back, but we, they, we just didn't know where it was. But anyway, how many know you got to put your armor on? It's a real problem if you can't find your armor, amen? Hallelujah. So everything we need. But we've got to put the armor on. There's six pieces. I'll deal with them quickly. This morning, everybody doing okay? First of all, Paul says you must put on the breastplate of righteousness. Put on the whole armor of God, the breastplate of righteousness. What does righteousness mean? It means right standing with God. How many know that if we can mess up and not be in right standing with God? I know it's not a popular message, and it doesn't fill churches. The message that fills churches is do whatever you want, and God's going to be okay with you. He's going to love you no matter what you do. That is true, but preach the rest of the scripture there. The whole counsel of God. The Bible said that God loves us so much, but he'll only strive with us for so long. How many understand that's why he destroyed the earth with water the first time? Genesis 6, 3 says, my spirit, God said, will not always strive with man. In other words, his patience ran out. Think about that. Right now we're living in a dispensation of grace, but that does not mean that we could do whatever we want with whoever we want, whenever we want, however we want, and think that somehow God's just going to be happy with us, and whenever our number's up, He's just going to call us home. I promise you it's not going to be a cattle call when the final trumpet sounds. And nobody's blood's going to be on this boy's hands. I'll tell you why. Because I'm preaching as the Word says. But you have to desire that in your heart. Amen? But righteousness, what does it mean? Right standing with God. Amen? It's like freedom we talked about last week. Freedom doesn't mean that you do whatever you want with no restrictions. How many understand there's the Ten Commandments there for a reason? Amen? 
So put on the breastplate of righteousness. Let me give you another thing about this breastplate here is that it also protects the heart. How many know your heart needs to be protected? Amen. Just like, you know, your skeletal, uh, you know, your uh, sternum and all that in there, your ribs in the front, like all that is helping to protect the human heart. Your spiritual heart needs to be protected. How many of you understand one of the number one ways that the enemy tries to get in people's lives is through the offense. Tries to get people offended with one another, right? And so therefore, put on the breastplate first and foremost. Put it on. You don't wake up with it on. Put it on of righteousness. And then here's the other When he says, feet fitted with the gospel of peace. Verse 15, having your feet shod with... The preparation of the gospel of peace. So our feet, how many know, need to be prepared to go ye therefore? Amen? And to preach this gospel. To be a light in a very dark world, right? So how beautiful are the feet of them who bring... That's what this is today. The gospel literally means, the word translates, good news. In a world full of bad news, we still have the good news. Amen? Amen. I'm amazed. I don't know about you, but I am amazed. I went somewhere yesterday, and people constantly, I'm talking to people that love Jesus, say, oh, my God, did you see what happened on the news? I was like, no, praise the Lord. (laughs) Well, let me tell you. No, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Of what benefit is it going to be to me that some politician did something they weren't supposed to do? Really? Other than to pray for their soul that God would have mercy on them? Why would you want to be so caught up in all the negative stuff anyway? Let me tell you, it's garbage in, garbage out. You fill your mind, your eyes, your ears with just all this nonsense, the media and everything else, and you don't fill up on this word, you're going to walk around a defeated, half-dressed Christian. Barely. Amen? And so he says that. He says... Have your feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Then he talks about, I love this, the shield of faith. Verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. How many understand this shield right here? This shield of faith, that's the hold out against the darts. How many know an accusation is a dart? People say things about you, that's a dart. Come on, somebody. Temptation is a dart. You've got to, how do you fend it off? With the shield of faith. You've got to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might and fend those things off with the shield of faith. You've got to exercise faith when everybody else is world champion warriors. You know anybody like that? They exercise their fear constantly and it affects even their health, it affects their personality, they age faster. Listen, I'm going to be happy if I'm the only one that's happy in the world. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Amen. (laughs) Praise God. So the shield of faith, it's our faith. We've got to exercise our faith muscles, right? We're people of faith. Amen? The Bible says anything that's not of faith is sin. So what are you doing with that? Do you have your shield with you today? And uh, then he talks about... He talks about uh, taking up, after that, the helmet of salvation. The helmet, right, of salvation. 
I was preaching the first service, and this lady came up to me afterwards. She goes, Pastor, can I ask you a question? I see her eyesight wasn't that good. She goes, is there a real man in that? I said, no, sis, it's just a suit of armor. The helmet of salvation. I was reading this devotional this week. When I'm going to preach on anything, I read a lot of, not just anybody, but Holy Ghost, Spirit-filled, faith preaching. Guys like Jesse, Dr. Jesse DePlantis, Brother Copeland, those people that are real people of faith. The late great Kenneth Hagin. Let me tell you something, friend. We need to start emphasizing less on denominations and more on the Word of God. Listen to John Olstein. Oh, my God. Whoo, Jesus. I would have loved to have been in some of his meetings when he was alive. What a powerful guy. Powerful. Dottie Olstein, 1981, gets a report like our sister Rebecca. And her whole body just filled with a fast-moving cancer. They basically told her, some of you know this, come on, you go home, you got about six weeks, you're going to die. And he said, you know what, Dottie, we're in a spiritual battle, and I'm right here by your side. And he said, we're putting the devil back where he belongs, under our feet. Amen. And so why do I got to wear, and, and, and by the way, she was completely healed. She's still alive, in fact. John went home to be with the Lord. Everybody knows who Joel Osteen is, but his dad was quite a preacher. Incredible man of God. Had a church of about 10,000 that he started himself in a feed store. And, you know, Dottie, to this day, is alive. Sits right on the front row, cheering on her son, Joel. How about that? The, God's word is powerful. Amen. But the helmet of salvation, watch this, also guards our mind. How many of you understand? Your mind has to be guarded. Amen. From the thought life, the things the enemy tries to throw at you. The only real war is right here between your ears. Because if you don't think on the right things, how many know if you say, I can't do it, you're right. You can't do it. If you say, I can do it, guess what? You're also right. You can't do it. Because as a man thinketh in his heart, and his mind, so is he. Our mind has to be protected. I was reading this devotional, and this guy, he was, a, he was a motorcycle guy, and he said, you know, he said, in my state, he didn't say what state it was, you have to wear a helmet when you ride your bike. If you don't wear a helmet, he said, you get pulled over. And he said, one day, it was so nice, and I forgot my helmet. I got on the bike, and I was driving, he said, I got a speeding ticket. And he said, there were people from my congregation who were passing me up saying, is that you, Pastor? The red and blue lights were flashing. And he said, but you know, I've realized that to have a helmet on my head actually protects me if I was ever in a motorcycle accident. Let me tell you something. The helmet of salvation actually protects you too. Because you've got to guard your mind and guard what goes in these ears and what you allow people to speak over you. Some people have said it to their kids. You'll never amount to nothing. You've got to rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Amen. You'll never make nothing out of yourself. And they'll say stupid things like they don't realize. But God says, greater is he who is in me than he that's in the world. Amen? Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And then he says, and I love this one here. Take up the sword of of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit, how many of you understand, is the Word of God. Amen? Six pieces of armor that you must put on every day. I'm almost done. The sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, comes in two forms. 
It comes in what's called logos. Logos meaning the written word of God. How many know you should read the word of God every day whether you want to do it or not? Somebody said read the word of God when you don't need it so it will be there when you do. Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The word, the word, the sword of God. How do you tap into the heavenly realms with all manner of spiritual blessing where Jesus is seated, you're seated, your angelic assistance is seated by this book called the Bible? The sword of the Spirit decapitates any onslaught of the enemy. What you ought to do is get your Bible open, crack it open, and read it to the devil, because if you read it to the devil, you'll give him a nervous breakdown. Can you say praise God? (laughs) We've got to dress for success. We've got to put the full armor of God on. Today we've got like what I would like to say a lot of Christian streakers out there. I mean, they forgot some of their, their clothing, okay? Forgot their armor. Put your armor on. Amen? Amen? Logos, the written word of God. Watch this. Rhema. What's rhema mean? The spoken word of God over your life concerning a situation in the here and now. How many of you understand that we need a word from God sometimes in our life? You're dealing with a stressful situation. Maybe you're dealing with a, with a health issue, a constraint, a financial challenge, whatever it is. Wayward kids that are away from God. and Maybe they're on drugs. Maybe they're in jail somewhere. You need the Word of God. The rhema. Yeah. Word of God. Instantly, in season. And start to declare that over your life. Amen? Amen. You ask anybody in recovery. I mean, you have to continue to say thank you that I am recovered. That's the problem I've always had with AA. They'll sit there and open up, hi, my name is Bob. I'm an alcoholic. And everybody, yeah, everybody says that. Hi, Bob. 30 years later, it's like, wait a second. Wait, 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 wait. You ain't an alcoholic. You've recovered in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? amen. So we've got to have the rhema, the word of God. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And then notice this lastly. Six pieces of armor, but you know something I I thought when I was studying this week, preparing this for you, and people watching at home? God doesn't ever do ever end on six. You ever notice that? Brother Steve, seven, how many know is God's favorite number? Amen. Mickey Mantle's number was seven, right? But let's just read the last verse, and then I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. Verse 18, praying always, so you've got all this going on. You've got the full armor of God for protection and for advancement in warfare. By the way, I looked up this week about the sword of God. It's not a sword like this. Actually, the sword that they were referring to in the original is 18 inches long. That was for hand-to-hand combat. Yeah. So, what's the seventh? The seventh is lined out here. Praying. Everybody say praying. Praying. Always with all prayer. Some some translations say uh, with all kinds of prayer. Brother Hagin used to say, he's got so much on this, just those couple words. He used to say, you can't use football rules for a baseball game. Different types of prayers for different types of situations. 
Can you say amen? amen? Think about it. You need different, it's not, we don't pray the Our Father when we need healing in our body. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So all kinds of prayers and supplication. Here it is, in the Spirit. Everybody say, in the Spirit. In the Spirit. Yeah. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. to develop a prayer life. If we're not praying, we're not going to be tapped into the unseen realm, and we're going to try to handle physical, spiritual problems with physical means. It doesn't work that way. How many understand, folks? You can't medicate a devil. And, and listen, go to Africa with us sometime. Here in America, you know, we, we, it's like we, don't, we half believe. We're not even sure if we believe half the Bible. In those places, they have no choice but to take God at his word. God says, you have a devil? We'll lay hands on you and cast the devil out. In Jesus' name. Amen, Lynn? God says, if you're sick in your body, we'll lay hands on you and you shall be healed. Amen? So when you understand the baptism of the Holy Spirit... And you understand. Look, folks, some of the, you say, have you had battles? Who hasn't? My God. You understand why hell fights this church so hard? Every day, it seems like there's a new attack that comes out of somewhere. Left field sometimes. Things, you know, it's, but listen, you know, T.D. Jakes said, new level, new devil, right? The weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty to God by the pulling down of strongholds. Amen? What's a stronghold? It's a demonic mindset. Stinking thinking. It all starts right here. So I've got to say, listen, the devil does not have the gift of interpretation. Amen? He can't give an interpretation to tongues. But God can. And that's why God said, praying always in the Holy Spirit. Pray at all times. And praying in the Holy Ghost, what does it do? It builds up our innermost faith. Jude 1.20. You shall receive power. Everybody say power. power. After which the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you should be my witnesses. And I'm telling you, folks, and I lift my hands. I could be going through, just like you, some of the most demonic stuff. And days where I feel... I didn't want to tell you what I feel. You know. What do we do, Bonnie? We lift our hands. And I'll start to worship like David did. And I'll start to pray in the Holy Ghost. If you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you understand, friends. You're, what am I doing? I'm literally connecting into the power source now. You know, what good is your appliances if they're not plugged into the wall? You know, you could have the best. You know, my wife's got this. The kids bought her a KitchenAid. Mixer, you know, they're nice. I mean, they're expensive, man. And uh, it's beautiful, but, you know, it doesn't work good if it's not plugged in. Amen? Amen. Don't work right. Washing machine, you know. We got a stackable, what do you call it? Not stackable. Washer and dryer. It's red, like a 67 Mustang. Amen? (laughs) I love red. I think I have is red, you know. And we got this, but it doesn't, can you imagine if I went over and like pulled the plug out of the back of the wall 
And then my wife went to get up in the morning, she had to do the, the laundry, and I was like, you know what, I don't know, there's something wrong with this washing machine. Can you imagine? Something wrong. I know it sounds so like elementary, but the truth is, folks, we must intentionally plug into the power of God. Amen. I said we must intentionally plug into the Oh, come on, somebody. Come on. Hey, guys, we hope you enjoyed that message. And if you did, take a photo of yourself listening and tag us on social media at Peckful Assembly of God. We'll see you next time. And remember, we love you, God loves you, and may God's richest blessing be yours.